turned 50 recently. A friend asked me what it was like being 50. I said it was a lot like being 49 and nothing like being 20. This is definitely true on the football field where I go every week to play a rotating roster of scruffy young men with questionable facial hair who, after a quick vape, saunter onto the pitch and thrash my aged team with ease. In further discussion with my friend, we did also conclude, however, that moving into your 50s might also come with the benefit of being much more experienced and hopefully wiser in your area of professional expertise than you were in your 20s. One of my character flaws is the inability to finish things. This flaw is thrown into particularly sharp relief by the dramatic and public publicly announced way I tend to start on those things I don't finish. My pattern is to be buoyed way up by an idea that captivates me, do a lot of shouting about that thing and why it is so great, make a lot of plans and schedules, and then peter out, not with a bang, but very much with a whimper. This means that I have a lot of parallel versions of myself in my head. The version of me who at 16 actually knuckled down to learn the guitar properly, or the one who became fluent in Japanese in his 30s, or the me that has written three books by now and not one. I suppose we all have this. A lot of the time I don't think it matters too much. Actually, sometimes it's good to drop things. In 1991, my goal was to be Jim Morrison, and I think we can all agree that it's good that I'm not 50 and whatever sad and tragic embodiment of that dream my 18-year-old self cooked up. Sometimes, though, the failing to finish things thing does matter. Take teaching, for example. I've been teaching full-time in New Zealand secondary schools since 2006. To do something that I care about and have some skill in for 17 years and not be a master in that area, it's not good. So I'm trying to fix that. That's my aim, anyway, for 2023 and 2024. But I want you to take from this that I think I'm going to become a perfect teacher who all students and other teachers will come to worship as exemplary and to bathe in the reflection of my glory. Aside from the fact that this will create a really weird vibe in the classroom, I also don't think there is such a thing as a perfect teacher. There are many ways to be strong in the classroom and in the after-school meeting. What I'm aiming for means two things to me. Firstly, students will become empowered to learn in my class and get results they are proud of and possibly didn't think they could get. And two, I will be better able to contribute the collective efficacy of the teachers I work with. 20 years ago I achieved teaching mastery when I was living in Japan working for a private language school. Now there are very few parallels between teaching very small classes of motivated Japanese adults and large classes of variably motivated New Zealand teenagers, but the point is that within the system, within that system, I remember what it felt like to have an impact that registered positively with people. And yes, that felt good at a personal egotistical level, but it also felt good because I knew that the students really benefited from my skills and that my effectiveness really boosted the morale of the fellow teachers I was managing. 
there is ego in all of this, you know. I also know that ego sits uncomfortably in our society, where being modest is seen as very important. That said, one of my big breakthroughs this year came when I started to buy American books on teaching. One of the best books I purchased is called Teach Like a Champion 2.0. And like that book, like many of the books I've read, is based on evidence from charter schools. Both this fact and the title are likely to make a lot of New Zealand teachers gag. Nevertheless, this book is excellent. And why, on reflection, shouldn't I want to teach like a champion? I always remember reading in a lonely planet 30 years ago at a hostel that the difference between American and New Zealand culture could be summarized in the names of two TV shows. The original American show was called That's Incredible, and the New Zealand spin-off was called That's Fairly Interesting. I guess that Teach Like a Champion could be marketed in New Zealand with the title Teach Pretty Well. But my issue with that is that I already teach pretty well. And I actually want to teach like a champion. There are a lot of positives to live in a society that has a laid-back approach to things. Let's talk about some negatives for education. In my view, the education system has been captured by wrong-headedness and results are sliding, then a she'll-be-right approach to those current downward trends and their causes is wrong. To me, it doesn't seem particularly insightful to say that things like colonization, pick-and-choose assessment, ubiquitous distracting technology, and open-plan learning environments are not good for young people who are learning the foundations of the knowledge and skills they will need when they leave school. Nor does it seem perceptive to point out that much of this wrong-headedness has come to us from principals and a ministry who have been captured by the ideas promulgated by thought leaders in awe of Silicon Valley, who have invented things that are powerful, engaging and full of potential, but they were also not invented for education, that have had dozens of unforeseen negative consequences, and that have no place in primary, intermediate or secondary education. Now I say all this to give you a sense of where I'm coming from, because I am coming to you with a set of strongly held views. While I don't want to get too far into those views now, I am sure I will later, I do want you to be able to locate me. Perhaps you think I am sounding quite old-fashioned. Perhaps you imagine I think the solutions are simple, that we should get back to basics and have a bit of no-nonsense discipline. Well, I don't think the solutions are simple. Going back to basics is problematic. And I tend to err on the side of love rather than discipline. I went to an old-fashioned primary and intermediate when I was growing up, and I disliked it. Not in a way that caused me to act out in class or anything like that, but in ways that made me feel sad a lot of the time, and afraid much of the rest of the time. I hate hierarchy, authoritarianism, and competition where it pits students against students. I believe restorative practice, when given the time it needs, is the best way forward. In the classroom, I also don't believe that I am old-fashioned. I value strong relationships with my students, 
and students learning things that are of value to them. I do, however, reject many things that I have been told will help students to learn for the apparently unknowable 21st century. I do not believe, in fact, that I am educating them for the 21st century. I believe I am educating them right now in 2023 in the foundational, transferable skills that people have needed for at least 100 years in order to go out and get apprenticeships, degrees or jobs. And that is the basis of my approach. Now that we have that more or less straightened out, we can proceed. In the next episode, I will talk in a bit of depth about the classes I have this year and how Term 1 has panned out for those classes based on the techniques I have already begun trialing. See you then.